Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of the Woman of Color Summit podcast season two. This is episode 12 and we're your hosts, Harpinder Mann and Irene Lowe. Hey Harpinder, how are you? I'm good. Um, I am leaving for a Vipassana retreat tomorrow morning. It's going to be my third silent meditation retreat. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, this time alongside sitting it, I'm also going to be serving. So I'll be cooking and cleaning um, and helping provide a really good environment for those students that are maybe coming for their first time, their second time, third time to create an environment where they're able to really meditate um, and reap the benefits of this beautiful practice that I've gotten so much from. Um, and then I know for some people that might be like, wait, like maybe they see my Instagram. So me and Irene are actually filming or recording two intros back to back because we're just that committed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's partly because I'll be going away. Um, and at Vipassana, they take like your phone. There's no journaling. There's no like speaking. Um, it really is this like beautiful space to meditate and to go inwards. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and Irene, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm really excited for your Vipassana retreat. I know you've been wanting to do this ever since I think last December, January, this January. So I'm glad you're finally able to go. And I'm really curious to hear how the serving component um yeah, how the serving goes, because that's that's going to be new for you. Yeah, it's going to be um, so interesting to like cook for I mean, with COVID, I think the amount of people that will be there will be reduced. Mm. Um, but say even if there is like 40 to 50 women to so separate the men and the women, like, even to cook for that number of women, like, I've been living with my partner's family for the last um, two months now, um, and then I'm currently home staying with my parents. So what that has meant is I haven't been doing any cooking. <laughs> I've been like very much spoiled um, and allowing myself to be taken care of. Um, but also what that means is I'm not cooking. Um, so this is going to be a real like, yeah, it's it's good. It's gonna be a change, but I'm yeah. also um, I'm excited to serve. I'm excited to give back, especially to the center that I went to in 2019 to give back in this Aww, way. That's great. Yeah, and like um, providing that support, receiving and giving, and like you know that ties in quite well to um, the conversation that we recorded with one of our summit speakers for the Art of Authentic Living, which is Chanel Deer. Um, because in her conversation, we really talked, and she's a movement and meditation teacher. Um, in that conversation, we really talked about what accessibility looks like in yoga. And I remember one of the things that she talked about was even this languaging around support and how, mm. you know, props, even that word props, maybe even calling it a support and understanding that we can use it to intensify a practice, not only just to be used in certain positions. Yeah, we were, we had to turn our mics <laughs> off because we just started laughing. Because I was like, Irene, so like, you're saying like, me being a server at the <laughs> sorry for everyone this is gonna be a, like a laughing episode because like it's just been such a hectic like two three weeks for us like mm. Irene actually had her first day of her group program today so celebrating you um and like we're planning for like just been planning for our celebration week and like it's 9 30 p.m pacific we are loopy yeah. um, so if you're listening through this and just listening to our giggles like thank you for being here <laughs> um but yeah just like and i think it's true like 
in this conversation, we do talk a lot about like, how do we make this practice of like the physical practice of yoga asana accessible? Um, and I and I find that I have when I first started to practice, it was definitely seen as like, if you use a block, or a bolster, it's because like, if you need it to help, it was mm. never like, oh, like this can um, benefit your practice instead mm. of kind of making it seem like if you're using it, you're not as good of yeah. a yoga practitioner. Um, so even that importance of like, the way that we cue and the way that we use our language um, to speak about even something like props to just make it more accessible. Um, and then like, and what, what she says is like calling it a support. Yeah. So that is what I was trying to, that was the connection. <laughs> um, but you did make an interesting point because I mean, for all the yoga teachers or even like, you know, yoga asanas, hardcore student practitioners, like you touched on a very true point. It's like, nobody wanted to use the blocks unless the teacher specifically was like use your blocks in this pose like i remember there was just a feeling of like um yeah you're not strong enough right but like really it's reframing this whole conversation of like it, it first off it doesn't even matter about that um that even should be our goal like showing off you know strengthening our ego but really, it's like the blocks can be used for multiple different purposes. The blocks, the bolsters, the strap, the chair, the wall. So many things can help actually deepen our practice um, as well as make us feel good in the body. So another thing that Chanel talked on, touched on was that that movement towards free flow, moving for pleasure. And I think that that is something that we also sometimes forget in yoga, uh, yoga asana in particular, because a lot of us who are into this practice are sensation junkies. So we are just trying to get that nice, deeper stretch. And sometimes we forget that like, uh, we, we can just move for, for, the, for the intuitive uh, pleasure of it. Mm, yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up is like, how do we look at movement exercise for pleasure instead of punishment? Yeah. It's like, oh, I ate these three cookies. Now I need to go run to run them off. Mm. Um, instead of like when I run, afterwards like the endorphins are flowing through me and i feel so good yeah. um even that like reframe of the way that we view movement and exercise and like feeling like it needs to look a certain way or it needs to be done a certain way and something we touch on in this episode with chanel is like even just going for like a 15 minute walk mm. like how good that is for our body and I think even for us like being outdoors and like mm. seeing the birds and like seeing the trees and not just like going from like one screen to another screen to a bigger screen <laughs> um and yeah I think I think there's a lot of like ties into when we can intuitively move and start to sense into our body like that to me reminds me like how connected I then am to everything the more that I can connect to my body from a place of pleasure yeah. um, and not punishment yeah and this is why we were so happy to speak with Chanel because we need teachers like her to model that and create accessible spaces for all right and we've gotten so used to thinking we need to punish the body when exercise, but exercise should be fun. Like I, <laughs> I don't like to do hit or things like that anymore because I just have no patience for these like <laughs> drills. Um, maybe like once in a blue moon, but yeah. Yeah. I, I realize like um, for my own practice, and I feel like I've been seeing more people talking about this, like also how important it is to vary up the kind of like mm. movement we're doing. So yeah. it's not just like only focusing on yoga asana. Like for mm. me, I personally, I practice yoga asana, but I also practice like strength training and it's 
for me, like so important to like lift heavy weights. Yeah. Um, and then also like bringing in some cardio into it and like just also functuating it, like not having to feel like I need to do yoga asana four mm. times a week and I need to do strength training three times a week. Yes. Something like we touch on um, in our group program is like seasonal living, looking at our lunar, like our, um, yeah, like our lunar cycles, like our menstrual cycles and how much that varies week by week. So then our body is going to like vary and how we feel. And maybe one week we want some more like slower yoga asana. The other week we more have more energy. So we want to do those hit classes. Yeah. So how do we also honor like where our body is at in that like day, in that week and finding movement, um, that matches a place where we can honor our body and start to like shove our body into these like practices. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really true point that you brought up, you know, it's about learning to live with the seasons and also understanding hormonally what is happening. And, you know, when I say that I have no patience for hit anymore, uh, I'm not saying that I don't do any other types of exercise. I think it's, if you're just practicing one physical modality, whether, you know, you're only lifting weights or if you're only doing cardio or if you're only stretching, um, it's important to have variety. I totally agree with you on that score. And like another way of freeing myself, aside from this like Bridget, I need to do hit, I need to do boxing, I need to do yoga because I used to have a membership at a gym and I would make sure that I would go to like five of these classes in order to make back my membership there. Um, another way that I have um, decolonized my my physical um, movements and also made it more intuitive to me is to kind of let go, shed that um, idea that the practice has to be, like you say, we really need to let go of that because living hormonally means that things will change for us. Our energy levels will spike and drop depending on where we are in our hormonal uh, cycle. Um, yeah. And I, I think that also made me think about, so I, outside of the Woman of Color Summit, um, work with students one-on-one in teaching them yoga, asana, meditation, breath work, yoga philosophy. Um, and this made me think of a student that I was working with for about a year last year and she was talking about how oh i two years ago was doing really um intense like yoga asana practice um ashtanga like she was a ashtanga yogi um and she was like i used to practice like five times a week and there was one class where she started crying and mm. she was like crying because she was like i feel like my body has changed so much and like in her words she's like i've gotten so much bigger and mm. i feel like i can't move the same way and i and for me um it was a little bit of like okay let's like pause mm. um and this is like such a space for us to talk about this because I think even in this place of like comparing our body to where it was like two years ago mm. or even comparing it to like a week ago and like how do we just honor that like we're going to change yes um and like that's okay and like because I, I noticed for her and i feel like i've done this too is like we're almost like shaving ourselves we're like shaving ourselves for like Two years ago, I was I was, th I was like practicing practicing so much. I was like so intense and like having mm. pride for that. Mm. And then now I'm like bigger. I don't practice as much and like feeling that shame. Mm. And it's like, well, like we are still living. We still have the ability to move, and we can start to build back to a place where maybe you feel that like pride again. But like let's let's not work from a place of shame. Yeah. Um, and I think that's even as small as like comparing ourselves to like last week. And it's like, oh my God, last week I practiced this many times. This week I have like no energy. What's wrong with me? And it's mm. like, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. Maybe you just need to rest. Yes. Yes. So true. You know, dwelling on the past, you know, how can we simply be present and be content with what we are able to do in this present moment? Because things change, right? Like what were the circumstances when you're practicing every day two years ago? Those mm. probably aren't the same circumstances you are in now. So learning to to accept the present is something that, fuck, 
Yeah, learning, unlearning and being content in the present is a constant lesson that, you know, I feel like we go Mm. through. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's even such a practice of like this meditation and what I'll be doing for the next 10 days is like um, staying present in the current moment. Um, and I remember the second Apostle retreat I went to, there was one meditation, one sit, where it was just so difficult. And the only way I got through it, where I, I literally had to, it was like a mantra that I kept repeating over and over, where it was like every second I was like internally, I was like, this is a new moment. This is a new moment. This is a new moment. Because that was the only way to get through it. Um, and so what a gift it is also to like realize like every moment is a new moment and as long as we have our breath as long as we're alive that we can always like create something new for ourselves that we never have to be stuck in whatever that thing is um and yeah i hope people enjoy this episode with chanel like outside of talking about um, movement for pleasure, not exercise for punishment, talking about making yoga accessible, community building. Um, she also talks about like showing up as our authentic selves and colonized spaces um, and how this practice of movement can create space for authenticity. I know that um, this was such a fun conversation for us to have. So I hope for everyone tuning in, you enjoy this episode. My name is Chanel Deer, pronouns she, her. Um, I am tuning in from Toronto, which is the traditional um, land of many nations here. Sorry, most knowingly the hero, um, her and Wandat, the Seneca and the Mississaugas of the credit. And for folks that might not know who you are and what you do, um, could you let us know? Yeah. So um, I am a movement movement and meditation uh, teacher here uh, in Toronto, and I really center my practice and my teachings um, across all abilities and all bodies and try to be as accessible and inclusive as I can. Um, I tend to um, root my practice as well in um, recognizing Black, Indigenous, and people of color as well in their experiences. Walk us through your journey of finding yoga yeah i i think like a lot of folk where i like i'm from like i grew up in the scarborough part of uh toronto and it's generally more black immigrants especially from the caribbean and so like things like yoga uh didn't come up often i there weren't any yoga studios when i was living there and then i moved to ottawa the capital of canada um and it was like such a big thing there's a lot of like young adults office workers and so there were so many yoga studios and i just decided to go and try one and i was like i hate it this is not for me i felt uncomfortable there was no one that looked like me and none of the cueing kind of like felt accessible in terms of like the way I can move my body and it just it felt really really exclusive kind of like you had to be in this certain club to be able to even practice yoga and so um, I stopped for a while and then I um, decided to take it back up because I heard it was great for mental health and I was like I could really use um, some other form of healing so um, I started practicing again and I did kind of like an energy exchange and from there it kind of like grew to love the practice when I kind of discovered that like you know I can let yoga fit my body and I don't have to make my body fit into yoga um, and so my yoga journey really started at that point um, bringing in my own supports such as blocks and stuff like that um just knowing that I could take the poses at my own pace made such a difference um kind of learning to like tune out what was happening around me and just really focus in on my practice I think that's a really good point um and powerful realization of realizing with yoga it wasn't about forcing our body to fit these like asana poses but how do we get yoga to fit our body feel that this disconnect with yoga is not just something that that yoga like passionate yogic practitioners are feeling it's even things that people who 
don't know yoga are feeling too. But what's interesting, Chanel, and I think that all of us, like I can also echo her and the experiences of feeling a little bit like something's off in these more mainstream yoga spaces is that there's something that you just return to the practice because even though the space is harmful or not right for your body or your your f- skin, there's just something so powerful about that medicine that you have to go back and you have to make it yours. No, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. I was just like something, something changed that day. I took my first class and I didn't know it, whether or not like I was like, I hated it so much. There was something deep within me that shifted and that shift just drew me back to the practice. And I'm so glad it did because it really changed my life. Um, being able to have a consistent practice. And like, I never set out in my head that I wanted to teach yoga. Cause I, I honestly didn't really understand yoga, its origins. I didn't understand how you became a teacher. And so so when like this whole 200 hour opportunity popped up, I was like, well, why not me? Um, I don't see anyone that looks like me. And there's other people who should be in this room that are not, that don't have access to this. Um, so yeah, that kind of was like what pushed me to join um, yoga teacher training. Um, and it took me a really long time after training to actually feel like I could teach because I felt such imposter syndrome again. Like it felt so lonely being like often the only black queer fat woman in a room and um, to especially to be the one at the top of the room, the one who's teaching. So um, there was that as well, which is why like um, when I met um, a personal trainer in Toronto who kind of catered to body positivity and had a lot of bigger, bigger bodied folk in uh, their classes, like I felt drawn to reach out to be like, okay, like I would like to help bring the practice of yoga um, to them as well. And so like having that body positive yoga class really changed the way I teached and kind of like I, you mentioned the like our conversation last time, but like just talking about centered, centering other bodies when we were teaching yoga and not just able body, not just thin bodies um, is so important. And I just realized from teaching that class, like being, I'm so glad that was my first class because now I center bigger bodies when I teach. Um, and it makes such a difference I find uh, for those who are like, even if like there's only one other person who's bigger bodied, like it makes such a difference for them to be in the class versus everyone else uh, just being thin, able-bodied folks. So, yeah. We definitely need more, um, we need all kinds of yoga teachers, um, all practitioners of yoga. So um, I think just like the work that you're doing and just showing up authentically as yourself is so, so needed. And um, I just love it. (laughs) I think you're doing great work. I kind of want to touch on what you're mentioning about centering um, all bodies and body positivity. So how does that show up for you um, when you are creating um, an experience for your students? Yeah, so for me, it's like I recognize that like um, the practice of yoga is not linear. And especially when you're sequencing, like you want things to flow a certain way. Oftentimes you have 60 minutes. There's only so much you can fit into a 60 minute class if you're a teacher. Um, But at the end of the day, it's to recognize that there's different bodies showing up in your class. And like a lot of the times I'm really strict on this, but with the class description, if you were saying this class is for all levels, like you have to be ready to teach an all levels class. And what that looked like is that you may have to slow down the sequence because for me like living in my current body like getting up from the ground takes me longer and so like it like by the time I get up the teacher's already like three poses ahead and that can feel so exclusive like you're ready to give up right because you're like well I can't keep up in this class it's supposed to be all levels um and so you really have to center kind of like find like a common ground between everyone and know when it's like okay like I need to give people more space to get up from the ground or I need to give more people more space even in certain poses like um now at COVID obviously there's more space in yoga rooms before we're trying to pack the room with mats right and so you're doing like a goddess pose arms open and like if you need more space if you have longer arms like it just feels I don't know I can't even describe the feeling I'm sure we've all felt it before but you just feel like okay I need to take up less space in this room um and that's not fair to anyone so yeah so for me um I just make sure that I recognize those things and recognize that there's other bodies in the room um and even in my cueing so one of my favorite cues um that I actually learned from another bigger body 
teacher who was in my teacher training was just like talking about our tummies when we fold over and how moving our tummies can make space when we're folding and doing forward fold, folding forward and staff pose. And so like um, just saying those cues, even if I don't see anyone else with a tummy in a room, I'm like, I have a tummy and I'm in this room, so I'm going to say the pose. And like I see some people who don't even have tummies doing it. They use the motion of their hands, picking up and creating space and leaning over. So yeah, sorry. No, I went on a rant there, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a good cue though. Even like getting us to build awareness over our tummies and like they exist and they're here and that's okay. And it's not this like shameful thing of like pretending like we have like six pack abs and like sucking it in and like, let's just not even talk about it. It's like, no, they exist. And let's like cue them into our practice instead of like being like, oh, we're going to do this thing. And people are like, well, what do I do? So I think that's, that's really important to even say that. Yeah. And it shows up even like, especially with twisting poses too. Like mm-hmm. it's so much easier for me to just, you know, tuck my boobie, tuck my chest under my arm. And like, <laughs> now I'm able to twist a little more. Um, but just say, like, I remember I heard that cue for the first time from a teacher and I was just like floored. I was like, I can touch my body in class and like move it to make space for me to do these poses. Yeah. So it's really, I, I think inclusive cueing is definitely it should be happening now and is definitely the future i'm taking notes i need to do more inclusive cueing we can always improve as yoga teachers so thank you for saying that um, and sharing that knowledge with everyone who's listening we talked a little bit about covid and how during these times that we're living in it's changing the way that we're thinking of uh, classes but also it's interesting that in this pandemic uh there's been there's also been a lot of guilt around you know not working out. So I know we've talked last week a little bit about exercise and movement, and you deliberately put movement in your teacher title. So I'd love to know like what movement feels like to you. Yeah, I, I definitely think COVID hit like a lot of us, especially those of us who are like working out at home is just, for me, I personally struggle. Um, I have a um, kind of learning disability. And like, for me, like paying attention to a class like that is like on a computer, (laughs) it goes right over my head. And I was like, I before I was doing like training in a gym, I was doing spin classes, I was doing yoga, I was doing dance and like all these different classes and I love the energy of being in a group and so now I'm like alone in my apartment with a computer and it just wasn't feeling the same and so I wasn't like I didn't feel like moving and then I kind of had to learn to recognize that everything is movement like just going Mm. to walk with my dog if I even just you know took him to a trail that is movement even if I just walk him up the sidewalk that is movement um in your house random dance breaks that is movement and like um kind of shifting the ideology that movement is like like calorie based like you need to be burning calories or movement is you need to be sweating or um things like that you need to feel achy after you move and it's like that's not true that's just kind of like what diet culture teaches us in terms of when we think of movement and so rethinking movement of how do I move for joy like what makes me feel really good and so like I started posting random videos in the summer of like me dancing I learned the whole like Beyonce's Coachella dance and like that was just so much fun and like I didn't even think of it as movement. I just put on my sports bra. I'm like, let's do this. Um, (laughs) But it it was, it was movement. And um, I'm really working on like now integrating more mobility into my practice. And mobility is a really slow thing to learn. It's not something that like just happens fast. Um, It's not something like necessarily that you can be a natural at. So that's been like definitely a learning curve for me to slow down and actually have to like notice how my body moves and what makes my body feel good. Um, so that's, that's been my COVID learning uh, so far. Yeah. I feel like that, um, hits on like movement for pleasure versus movement for punishment. Um, cause I feel like sometimes we can be conditioned into thinking like, even from a young age, like exercise is for punishment and like, that's why we're doing it versus like, how do we just like dance and like feel up on ourselves or like go for a walk. And like, that is movement and that feels good in our body. Um, so I think this conversation is a really good one to be having. And I'm glad that you're touching on these things. 
Yeah, and I think it's definitely a revolution in the sense of like even like am I a lot, another conversation you're having was talking about athleticism. Like, what is an athlete like? What does an athlete look like? What does an athlete look like during COVID? Right? Um, we're definitely not all training necessarily at the same standards as we were before, but like I definitely think it's something that needs to be relooked and reworked because like I don't think athleticism is a body. I don't think an athleticism is a movement necessarily. Um, so, yeah. It, it has been hard, I think, for many people who do crave the community, who, who crave just being able to work um, out and move with other people. And like there's it's hard to make that adjustment to online yoga or online workouts, um, whatever it is. So I think that mind shift and what you shared is going to help a lot of people um, because it's it's really easy to get off the bandwagon. I mean, like for me, uh, I definitely uh, ha- I took a break over the summer. Like I didn't really move, <laughs> um, and it was it was fine. You know, I think that I needed that shift, and I needed to realize that I don't need to to go to a space and um, work out. But I, I think it is so interesting um, that we do think that we do need to like punish our bodies and like force our will over our bodies instead of listening to the intelligence of our bodies. And I feel like this is kind of like the theme of this conversation that we've been having where it's like society wants us to fit into this cookie cutter mold, but all of our bodies are different. Um, So why should we feel bad that we need to have different things that suit us? I think this conversation also brings up the use of like props, right? Like now with COVID, like how do we share props like we were before? Because like some people don't feel comfortable with just like a little spray and a wipe. Um, And so does that mean teachers are taking props out of their class? But then it's like, what does that do for the student that was just relying? Like, you know, like that was like sometimes the only thing inclusive about some people, like some classes you go to. And now there's no props. And now there's like things you can't do because I I always hate that it's like people like you know we think props are only used in certain positions or whatever and I'm like no 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 props can be used for the whole practice and even like moving away from the word prop like calling it a support like I need support in this position because for myself personally like my wrists like they take a really long time to warm up so I use props and table which is not somewhere like we usually cue props but it makes it more comfortable for myself and um, downward dog of course and all these different poses and it helps me actually get to that mid-level from going on the ground mid and standing all the way up um so i think it definitely is a bigger conversation about how can we be more inclusive if we don't have supports around like what what does that do with our queuing that what does that do with the environment that we teach in um so yeah i think that COVID is opening up a big dialogue for things that were happening before that kind of got swept under the rug but now it's like we can't avoid it we can't avoid being more accessible as teachers and as practitioners as well because with the second summit, we are looking at the art of authentic living. Um, so we wanted to know from you, like how you think movement is related to authenticity um, slash like how movement can create space for authenticity. Yeah. So for me, like showing up authentically is such a big thing. I, like creating brave spaces as like a teacher so people can show up authentically is such a huge thing. And for me, that's just like allowing people to show up as they are, wear what they want. Um, and I've, I've like in my bigger body class, I just love seeing people show up in crop tops and like sports bras because they're like, you know what, in other spaces, that's just something I've never felt like I could do. But after doing it in like, you know, like that class, they then are able to go to another class and do that as well because they feel brave. They know that like, you know, like my body belongs here, I belong here. And like, for me, that is, that is like, I think hits the art of authentic living, like to the T. So kind of creating brave spaces for people to be themselves. Um, That's like showing up of themselves. That's your music that you use, not just sticking to what you think is yoga music. Um, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation there. Um, And 
for me, like showing up authentically was being able to grab blocks when I was a practitioner, like just walking in and grabbing blocks, whether the teacher uses them or not, knowing that like I could use them because they support me during my practice. Um, as a teacher myself, making sure that I have props front and center so everyone can see that I have them too and like I make sure that I use them and in the way that I, I try to teach more inclusively is I teach I starting with a support like a prop um, so if we're if I know that I'm like okay like a block can be used here no 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 we're going to use the block but if you can, if you don't need to use the block like you can do that as well and that's just like a difference um, when we're talking about accessibility as well um, I think I answered the question. I'm sorry. I just kind of like went around in a circle there, but. No, I love it. <laughs> what I'm picking up on is really authenticity is being honest about acknowledging your needs, mm -hmm. you know, um, which is so powerful because it can be easy for us to try to conform and fit into other people's, other people's ways of moving. And yeah, like, even just like the power of wearing what you want is is so indicative of how how you want to show up right i mean there's so many uh people who um, are scared to kind of wear what they want or scared of wearing a certain thing so i love that in your classes you've seen people wear um you know sports bars and sports bras <laughs> and take them take them to other um spaces yeah and like even for myself like because I know that's something that can be such a like, oh my gosh, she's wearing a scarf front, she has a tummy. When I go into movement and wellness spaces, like I always practice in a sports bra, just because like I, I'm like, I trust myself, I love myself and I'm surrendering myself to this environment because I deserve to be here. And I feel empowered by doing that. I feel like, you know what? Like, yeah, my tummy's sticking out, so what? Like, um, I'm moving with you as well. So um, I, I found that that has helped as well, like just like, other people kind of like seeing me myself who is a teacher and then me like being a teacher myself people are like oh my god you teach yoga um like made has made such a big difference and like you kind of mentioned earlier like everyone could be a yoga teacher anyone all abilities all bodies anyone could be a personal trainer anyone could be any sort of movement instructor it's not linear into what you need to look like what you need to talk like what you need to wear so yeah <laughs> Yeah, when we also talk about um, being our authentic self, how do you think that relates to then being authentic in colonized spaces? Because um, I know that's something that we touched on in the very beginning is when we first started going to yoga classes, um, definitely being in these like colonized spaces. And how has that changed for you now with, um, I'm guessing like, a lot of empowerment and like love for yourself and for your body. Like, how does that look now? Yeah, I would say to anyone who's starting out, who's still going into these, I mean, there's so many of these colonized spaces, but like, first off, you got to be kind to yourself. You got to be kind and that it's not like healing and learning is not linear. And like, you just got to like, um, be so kind to yourself because it could be so frustrating being in these spaces, especially starting out. Like, you don't want to go back. Like, you do not want to go back. You think you don't deserve the space. Mm. Um, obviously you do. We all deserve space and so when you move through these spaces like knowing that you can be yourself and like it could be so intimidating to see people wearing like i find like the first thing i noticed about yoga was just the luxury of it all like the luxury of like what people were wearing on their body seeing their mats you know like i got my first mat from the dollar store so i'm the only one in there with this thin mat and everyone else has had these like you know more expensive mats that you're wearing more expensive outfits and i'm in an old t-shirt and shorts mm -hmm. and um just to know for yourself that it's okay to show up in these spaces how you are you do not need to conform um into kind of like i guess like what they're wearing what they're doing like you can be yourself you can make the practice fit your body you can make the movement go with your body um if you need to laugh if you need to fart if you need to take a drink when you think it's inappropriate do it because it is your right you deserve to be there and you should take up as much space as you can in these in these places as someone who's been practicing yoga um, since high school and have noticed different trends and styles of yoga popularized in the West, it's so good to hear that because 
I've definitely, um, I started with hot yoga and it's definitely a very militant boot camp style of yoga of teaching. And even in vinyasa classes, there was this like, um, you know, teachers asking you, are you breathing? Are you breathing? And like, <laughs> it's like, yes, like, thank you. I, I do need to breathe. But like, it was, um, again, like from a very, I guess, like controlling way. And, you know, I do see there being a shift um, by, by teachers like yourself, who is really focusing in on invitational language and accessible cueing. And I think this is like what the practice really needs, um, because it has just been like, more and more exclusive and elite. And you touched on the thing about being in these spaces that are often very gatekeeped and financially inaccessible to a lot of, a lot of students. And um, yeah, it just, it's, it's so sad because I, I love the practice so much. So um, it's nice to see other teachers providing more space for all bodies. I just love to know a little bit more about like uh, your students and, you know, any feedback that they shared with you. I just love to like know about the community that you're building. Um, <laughs> I've gotten really, really great feedback, especially for my body positive um, community that I was in. Um, just saying that like my yoga class compared to the ones they've been to, like it like kind of like opened their eyes to like, be like that there is a place where you can be authentic that you can be yourself um where the teacher kind of looks like you um or the teacher just allows you to like you know be yourself in that space whether you're crying whether you're just sitting there whether you don't want to do something um i think is huge um as well as like having other students in the room who are like they look like you but everyone's also like different at the same time and everyone's okay with that and like um there's different people wearing different things the music's different um i've brought in different elements like i never structure my classes like um i guess kind of like you were talking about like the militant hot yoga style classes you know but it was like i brought in crayons i was like if you want to sit here and color while we're practicing do that um so kind of sh like shifting the script of like what a yoga class should look like um i think kind of like i was where i got kind of like that feedback um from everyone um I'm so bad at looking at the good feedback. I'm working on it, I promise. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I've seen some of my students go on to be teachers themselves. And that, oh, <laughs> that really warms my heart to see that, to see like that there are going to be more people kind of bringing that invitational language, being inclusive and just allowing other people to show up in the room and more people who feel like they deserve to take the space of being a teacher and sharing um, what they know and what they have to share and like I don't know I feel like that imposter syndrome is so real for so many like um black indigenous and people of like teachers of color and um it's just so nice to see when we can get out of the box and do things like this like both of you running this summit I think is just so amazing um and yeah <laughs> it's been a crazy journey <laughs> um yeah I really resonate with that I think making or creating classes that not only work for you as a teacher, but for your students that are coming in and like, what kind of community are you trying to create? Um, Cause when I was actually teaching in spaces before COVID, like I would have classes like you where in the beginning I would bring like markers and we spent the first like 10 minutes, like answering a journaling or like doing some journaling and like painting or like coloring with like markers. And it was so nice because it's also another way to invite people to like get out of their like minds and egos and just relax a little bit. And it's a little bit more playful of like, we're here for each other as a community versus like, we're going to do these 30 asanas. They need to look a certain way. And I think they're I think there is a time and place for that if that's something that you're looking for. But I do think like the conversation that we're having is more for folks that just have never felt included. Um, and how do we create more of those inclusive, accessible spaces that you are doing? Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to be speaking to you about this because it's, I mean, it's needed. And it's needed, I think, when we're talking about being authentic and then coming into these colonized spaces and feeling like, I remember my first 
yoga class in LA, like you were saying, it was also like so steamy in there. I couldn't see like past my mat. It was so interesting. Um, but everyone was wearing like luxury items and like these beautiful mats versus like, I was still a college kid in probably like a ratty, like UCLA, like shirt they gave for free and just like shorts. And, and it is so interesting just noticing that like contrast and what we're saying, like people can have access to. Yeah, and it's crazy that that's kind of the standard, you know? Cause like you said, that's in LA, which I kind of would expect in LA, yeah. but like I felt that in Toronto as well. And like, I mean, you were mentioning the financial access and it's such a hard part because like, um, especially now like recognizing with COVID all these small businesses having to close and understanding really the financial impact to them as well. Like how much like, the ecosystem of like rent and like having to make sure that you're able to pay rent and like so many business owners just being like I barely get a paycheck at the end of the day like I'm really just keeping this space open because I love this community so so much and just figuring out a way that we can try to even make more access that way and I think it's so great that like you know we're creating these spaces outside of the mainstream typical yoga studios like my class was held in like an apartment building and kind of sort of a rec room slash it wasn't you I don't know it was a really weird space but it, it worked for what we needed to do and I, I I and I honestly loved it um and like I think like even with people at the front of the room like for me I like always thanked my students I'm like thank you for being you and showing up authentically as you because it allowed me to be authentically myself as well whether I need to stop to pull up my pants or I lost my train of thought or I didn't remember what count we were on and I have to apologize it allowed me to laugh it allowed me to cry with them as well so when you make a space where your students can show up authentically as themselves you can authentically teach yourself you can authentically teach as as well um which feels so so special yeah there's definitely a permission that we're giving all of ourselves to be human and mm -hmm. not to think that we always have to be perfect um but just really revel in in life and little things that happen and just you know dust it off our shoulders right <laughs> Yeah, holding yoga classes in the rec room of apartments. Like, I feel that. <laughs> you got to, you know, there's no other, there's no other way. You just got to do it. You got to hold it somehow. Exactly. And like here, like, obviously, I feel like you get a little more sunshine, but like, it gets really cold here really fast. So we have two months where you can maybe go outside. And even then you get into the um, argument of like public space. And like, we have to pay for public space here if you want to if you're making money off of it, whatever that means. But um, so we really got to do what we got to do, especially if you're trying to make accessibility a thing, right? Like, because like, you're able to charge a lot less when you're using these different avenues of space compared to like if you're doing it traditionally um in like a yoga studio it usually costs a lot more if you're renting the room or renting whatever to hold classes but then it's like if you're trying to be financially accessible it's hard to be sliding scale when the rent's almost like it's hundreds of dollars right so a lot of things to look at <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that leads into a larger conversation. Probably don't have time to talk about it today. Um, like there just needs some more funding for programs like this and bringing yoga to marginalized communities um, and to like schools and like, yeah. I think that's something that me and Irene have really been um, talking a lot about, particularly even with the summit um like how do we create these like more accessible spaces also with the awareness of like we do need money to be able to do these things um but it's just so important to do this work and like how do we make it work so yeah i think that's also just an interesting challenge that we face as like women of color like teaching because it doesn't feel right to charge in the way that like perhaps we've been charged in these spaces um yeah i think i think it's just a longer conversation 
Oh yeah. It's a whole ecosystem of things, right? Like so many factors that affect everything. Um, and I definitely like recognize that now, like when I first started, I'm like, why not? Like, why can't this be this way? Like we can charge $10, no problem. And I was like, Oh no, this person has to eat. We all have to eat. Um, and even as yoga teachers, especially I, I find like indigenous black and like teachers of color, like how much we get paid. Like, are we getting paid on par with like white thin able-bodied teachers and the answer is no it is no so sorry that is a bigger conversation <laughs> i know just kind of wanted to throw that in there so i would just love to ask this question for any of our listeners who are thinking of creating their own brave space um, of showing up authentically in the world um, any tips for them that you'd like to share yeah, first of all, just do it. Like, I know like sometimes we sit on things for months, for days, that imposter syndrome kicks in and you're like, no, I shouldn't do that. And like, I think like you yourself should be brave, be courageous, don't get discouraged if no one shows up. Like you showed up. And I think that is the most courageous thing that you put yourself out there to be at that front of the room and people will come like, don't get discouraged because people will come. The space is needed. You are needed. So yeah. And I'm really excited um, to see all these spaces continue to pop up, see more teachers pop up as well. Um, I started following everyone from this conference that I wasn't before. And I was like, oh my God, you <laughs> exist. Yes. I hate social media, but I love the like light it brings to the community. You know, like when I first started on my yoga page, I'm like, oh my God, there are people who look like me. I mean, not here, but there are people who look like me. Um, so yeah, like create that space because it is needed. We exist. We are out there and there are other people who want to join you in that space thank you so much chanel um is there any last words or anything else that you would like to wrap up with yeah i just uh obviously want to mention that like accessibility starts with all of us starts with me starts with you um and we need to kind of like create more equity within the wellness and um the movement space as a whole and you know create room for folks with disabilities create more space for everyone um start to cater to other bodies and yeah i'm super excited to see the future of movement and wellness so i think it can only go up from here Thank you so much, Chanel. This has just been a really amazing interview. I'm so happy that we were able to speak with you. Um, we know everyone that's going to be tuning in is also going to be super pumped for this. Um, it, how can people find you and support your work? Yeah, so right now, Instagram, dear yoga underscore, um, creating a website, but you know how that goes. <laughs> I'm slowly building into that. But for now, you can just find me on Instagram. Well, thank you so much. I had such a fun time talking with you um, and definitely learned a lot as well. I think as um, as teachers of anything, like I think we also need to be students and continually learning um, and educating ourselves. So I am very grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you. Um, and I know that everyone that tunes in is also going to enjoy this conversation. Um, so thank you so much, Chanel. This was a pleasure. Thank both of you as well for creating this space for and allowing me to teach, to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes. That helps us get it in front of more folks. Um, and then you will have our fullest gratitude if you're able to do that. And if you would like to stay up to date on the Woman of Color Summit, you can follow us on Instagram at Woman of Color Summit, Irene's at, at Irene Yoga Flow, and I'm Harpender at Harpenderman Yoga on Instagram. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week for the final episode of this season.